Hey, welcome to my show. I'm Schnoodlebug. This is a DIY podcast about making stuff no matter what. As always, this episode is brought to you by Schnoodle Video, your one-stop media shop. Is your band looking to make a lyric video for your next song? Schnoodle Video offers affordable animation for artists wanting to take their visuals to the next level without breaking the bank. For examples of their work, check out schnoodlevideo.com or hit the link in the show notes. Jeff Kincaid has been making music as devourers for over a decade, combining brutally infectious electro-pop melodies with beautifully honest lyricism. His most recent project, The Golden Age of Wrestling, is a self-described combination of ambient music, Hollywood soundtracks, chamber singing, and the sound of classic Nintendo games, also known as Glambient. At the end of 2022, Jeff had played over 150 shows in and around Vancouver within the span of several years and he's just released his new single, Ferrari Rocher, under 604 Records' brand new electronic imprint, Intraset. Despite his busy work schedule, Jeff was kind enough to call in for a lunchtime chat. I am a born performer. I am. I'm not saying I'm like a great performer, but I am a born performer. <laughs> like ever since I was a kid, even not necessarily with um, like playing music live, but in terms of like dancing, like I've always had a passion for dance and I wanted to dance live and I would go into like, like acting. I was in like a, a theater program and would act and stuff. And so, yeah, like in terms of being on stage in front of people, like I, I did have a bit of experience growing up doing it, not necessarily as like a musical performer. I took piano lessons for a few years when I was like eight. <laughs> so like my, my sister is an amazing pianist, actually. She's like the person who went into like Royal Conservatory and got to like grade 10 or whatever. So she's like, she's amazing and can play, yeah, Mozart and stuff like that. I basically just learned the basics of like scales and chords and stuff like that in piano. And then I transitioned for a lot of my teens. I was uh, taking keyboarding lessons with the same synth that I use nowadays like to, to Warm and stuff so it's like the synth that I grew up with when I was like 11 or whatever is when my parents got it for me and so yeah a lot of it was like learning how to just play pop songs like for like reading music and stuff it was pretty basic stuff but I would like a bigger part of it was like learning how to program and sequence stuff and like press a button that created a new beat at a certain part you know what I mean it was like learning how to program the, the keyboard absolutely when did that all start like what what age do you think I was probably like 11. Oh, wow. So pretty early on. The keyboard is Technics. I'm looking at it right now. The KN1200. So yeah, at the time, it was like a pretty snazzy keyboard. It has like 100 sounds built into it and a bunch of beats. So it, it was like a good keyboard at the, the time. And wow. it's still clearly a good keyboard because it hasn't broken yet after like 30 years or whatever. So yeah, it's a pretty impressive keyboard. Shout out to Technics, they make good equipment. There are a few that have held up over the years and that I still use when I'm performing live for Devours and Golden Age of Wrestling. So I can like play over top of the instrumentals and stuff when I'm playing live, like using like the actual presets in the, the keyboard. Are you using a DAW on stage then, if that's the case? You're playing tracks kind of live yeah. through the DAW from what you programmed already? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I have my very old laptop that I bought in Montreal in 2007. It's an old black MacBook. It's also astonishing that it is, that is not like 
died yet. Absolutely. Every single time I'm performing, I'm like, is this computer going to die right now? Like, I, it's shocking that it's still working. But yeah, so I use Logic to make all of my music. And I use sort of like the built-in sampler. And you can like create your own little sampler inside of it. I, I won't get into like too many specifics, but that, that's how I like trigger samples and stuff is like within Logic. That's really cool. And was this all stuff that you learned over experimentation or were there parts or even just jobs over time that brought you this knowledge? Yeah, good question. I'll try to sum it up so that it's not a long story. But back when I was living in Montreal in my early 20s, I had a few musical projects there that never really took off. But I made quite a bit of music during that time. And it was all basically like using GarageBand. And so like that, those were like the early days of like learning how to make like record stuff at home by myself. The projects weren't even electronic. One of them was like a noise punk guitar project. Another one was sort of like an experimental acapella project that I had that <laughs> I don't even know if you can find them on the internet now. It was just many moons ago. I made a few albums that just like never got heard by anyone, even though I was like trying. But yeah, so I sort of like taught myself how to use GarageBand. It's a pretty like user-friendly program. <laughs> it's not too, too tricky. But uh, yeah, when I moved to Vancouver, I was 25, I believe and came here to go to the Art Institute of Vancouver. And so I took like a one year sort of intensive course there to get into composing for TV and film. So that's why I moved to Vancouver. Okay. And yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't even to try to like make my own albums or be like a rock star or anything. It was, I, I already felt like I had failed at that in Montreal and was like, let's try to get into some other side of like the industry. Uh, so I went to school was it worth it? Who knows? It was overpriced and like maybe not really worth it. I think that if I had just taught myself, if I had the discipline to go onto like YouTube tutorials and teach myself for a year, I probably could have learned the like, same amount. But um, but yeah, the school was good at, at teaching Pro Tools, which I now use as a music editor, like as my like side gig. And then it also taught Logic. So at the time, this was 2010, Pro Tools and Logic were like the main things that they were teaching. So that's how I learned how to use those. But like, if anyone is listening to this right now and they don't go to school, you can just go on YouTube and like watch some tutorials because Logic's pretty user friendly. I think it's, it's more user friendly apparently than what are some of the other ones? Ableton. Apparently, Ableton's a little bit trickier to learn, but maybe maybe it's not that hard. I don't know. I've never used Ableton. Before. We have a lot of parallels in that. I also, as a teenager, I was learning everything through GarageBand or how to use a DAW by first starting with GarageBand. At the time, the Beastie Boys had just released an acapella pack through their website. Something like 20 or 30 songs in there. I mean, a lot of the songs were from To the Five Boroughs. It was around that oh. time. So about 2005, 2006, I was in high school learning how to produce within GarageBand. And I feel like it would have been a more natural progression to learn logic but i went to art institute as well cool. i used that as an opportunity to purchase with an academic discount the ableton okay. live 8 which i still use to this day but i often okay. think about oh, i maybe should have gone for logic i feel like that would have been a much more natural progression because ableton did feel like a little bit of a, a learning curve but at the time i felt like have to get my hands on Ableton. And okay, I didn't know that you used Ableton for all like sh schnoodle bug beats and instrumentals and stuff. You make it in Ableton. Ableton, and uh, for a lot of the tracks I made between 2011 and 2016, the stuff that's on Pop One, yeah, first collection. A lot of the drums were programmed in Reason, and then the rest of the production was done in Ableton. Wow. But I would say I use like 3% of that program. I still feel like I'm learning quite a bit because yeah. I just hyper-focused on what I needed to do or what I felt like I 
wanted to do and uh, just learn the necessary tools for that as opposed to just hit the uh, instruction booklet and go full force into it, which I don't know if that would have helped me production-wise, but I'm happy with my 3%. Yeah, honestly, same. I like barely know how to use logic. <laughs> I just like know this the like Apple loops. Like mm-hmm. it comes with a bunch of like royalty free samples, and I know them real well because I've been using them for like thirteen years and have like used them so many times. Them and done little things to them. But yeah, in terms of like a lot of different like the functionality of logic and stuff, I'm like I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe I've always been a little bit theatrical. Again, like when I was younger and and class plays and stuff i was usually like the like i would wear dresses and dress up i would be like the girl characters and be like over the top like i don't know how to describe it but like it's not necessarily a total put on i feel like devours especially has just sort of been like an extension of who i've always been actually but in terms of like changing the look for every album cycle i've learned a lot like because it's not a new project anymore right like i just put out a new album called homecoming queen it came out a few months ago this is album number four now. I've been in like the Vancouver game playing shows for like, I don't know, like eight, at least eight years now. And it's really hard to keep things interesting. You see a lot of bands who are, who are good. You know, like they come out with like one hot album and they get some buzz and then they sort of like hit the ceiling in Vancouver and then they just like people get bored of them and then they just turn into new bands or break up or, or something, but like there aren't a lot of like long running projects in Vancouver that are still kind of interesting. And so it's it's like I've I've changed my my look a lot to sort of like keep myself invested in the project to like make it fresh. Kind of like people in normal life, they get a new haircut and they're like, Hey, I feel fresh now. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. My own way of just like keeping things interesting. But also, yeah, it's a matter of like telling a long a long-running story. It's the story of my life. Every album is sort of like a time capsule of what's going on in my life. There's like this sort of an overarching story line of for Devourers being this like Galian character who's, you know, like left planet Earth to like escape from judgment and trauma and stuff and like build a gay utopia somewhere else. And this album is about having to like return back home and like face up to things that I ran away from. So yeah, I try to like weave this like bigger story into like what's actually going on in my life. Every album's sort of like a metaphor for what I'm going through in, in my life at the time. But in terms of image, I don't think that I'm naturally a very interesting looking person. I'm just like this big hairball, but now I'm bald and with a beard. Like I, my look is sort of like dime a dozen in Vancouver. And so I, I thought like I kind of struggled in my 20s in Montreal because I didn't look cool, right? Like the music scene and in any city is is actually quite superficial right it's more superficial than we want to admit but it's like if you look the part if you look cool then people will gravitate towards you and be like oh i want to play a show with that person but if you're it doesn't matter how cool your music is if you just look like a random dude or if you're wearing like under armor or you know what i mean like if you don't look the part of your of an artist or the music and so i sort of learned that the hard way in my my 20s and with this project i yeah i just, I just tried to come up with like an, an image that sort of like made sense with the, the music yeah so that was it was all sort of like strategy i guess it's so confident there's always like a, a an unveiling of the new era on social media it's really exciting every time <laughs> and it's okay. you weave it into the experience of you know listening to your music and just being in that world and again you're doing it all on your own 
I wanted to talk a little bit about Surviving the Game. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. You're a record label that uh, you've released both Devour's projects and the Golden Age of Wrestling projects through there. You just announced a few days ago that the newest Golden Age of Wrestling album is coming out on 604 Records' sister label, Intraset, which I'm so happy about. I'm so excited about that. But I was curious what it meant for the personal label at this point. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say about it. I liked the idea of it. Um, I don't feel like I have the means or time or resources to like launch a full label and have like an actual roster of other, other artists. I often get like people messaging me on, on that Instagram channel being like, hi, are you like trying to build a roster? Like lots of people seem to want to like be on the label, which I, I which is uh, nice. Um, but like, I, do I want to spend like so, so much of my time goes into Devours and Cold Age of Wrestling. It's pretty exhausting, like having two separate DIY projects. I just don't have the, the resources or time to like have people on my own roster where I'm like writing grants for, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I've, yeah. I'm pretty with the people at Mint Records. I've learned a lot from like them and how they run their business. Shout out to Mint because they're, they're great. But a, a lot of it is just like the background you know, grinding it out, like writing grant proposals. And like, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, totally. No. And so, yeah, surviving the game is still, it exists still. And I like the idea of kind of like showcasing local talent through COVID. It was really kind of like a COVID project where I, I was, I recognized that I couldn't, I didn't have the money and stuff to like put out vinyl for other artists and stuff like that. And so I just sort of turned it into like a local playlist series of coming up with a different, a bunch of different themes and being like, these are a bunch of cool new artists that are making music right now. So that was sort of like my way of giving back to this music community that I feel has been very uh, like kind to, to me, you know? And so yeah, like surviving the game has been pretty quiet. I've been doing a ton with it. I'm just sort of too busy with other stuff. But yeah, it's like sort of like an umbrella label for it's <laughs> for my own projects. And now that I'm working with Intraset, that's been really exciting. Yeah, it, it was like a little bit of a slow burn. I met up with them last summer and it just took a while for like the contract to get sent through and finalized and stuff like that. But yeah, it's looking like they're going to release my upcoming uh, Golden Age of Wrestling album in like early January of 2024. And so, yeah, we have like the back half of this year to sort of like roll it out. I've been trying to make some videos and get like all the assets ready for vinyl and stuff like that recently. And so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's, it's going to be like, I've been a little bit nervous about it because I'm so used to being in con control, which is nice but also kind of lonely. I've been doing this for a long time. It's kind of nice to collaborate with people and to have people like business people be like, hi, we will actually help like reach out to some people. You know what I mean? Like it, it, I'm, I'm going to try to learn how to like compromise, make it work. And yeah, they're, they're being very kind in terms of like letting me just make my own artwork and the album, like I, the album was already done. Like my, right. my new dressing or my upcoming Golden Age album was already done before I sent it. And so it wasn't a matter of like them going through and being like, well, we're going to cherry pick three of these songs to put on your album. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing was basically just done. Yeah. And I sent it to them and they liked it. So yeah. So that's what's exciting is that it doesn't feel like there's a creative compromise. It's just like still DIY in a way, but they're going to help with like fronting the like vinyl, which is like I've learned the hard way with Devourers how stressful it is to like take a chance on an album that no one's heard yet you're putting thousands of dollars into vinyl and you don't know if it'll sell or if your album's gonna bomb it's just like a humongous like leap of faith and so with this one it's like it's such a relief to have some people like help with the, the finances of covering like expensive stuff like that 
it's a lot of work to have two different projects. It's a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> I'm a little concerned that like I won't be able to just like devour like the devourers wave is still kind of strong right now. I was thinking maybe it would just like die out by now. You never know what happens after you put out the album. People hear it and then like people move on, right? But it's like still getting some show offers and stuff like into the fall. And so I'm gonna try to do my best to like highlight golden age. You know, just sort of like readjust priorities and try to shed more light on that as like that album's coming up but yeah wow vinyl was crazy shout out to clampdown um who were great they're a, a plant in burnaby and so uh, yeah that's who i used for both devourers records and so i feel like we have a good working relationship now and they did a, a great job i think that we're going to use a plant called precision they're out of ontario uh and so we're going to use um them for the golden age album yeah, dealing with the like behind the scenes is a little crazy. Oh, I I can imagine. Like it's it's funny. I I was reflecting on this a little while ago and how like people who sort of like subscribe to my like social media and stuff like that, I feel like they see maybe like five percent of like what actually goes on, right? Like people just see like the the pictures and like the show promotions and stuff, but so much of it is actually just running a, a business, right? Like just sending like getting merch orders taken care of by myself, going to Burnaby, picking up the records for like three weeks after the album came out. My whole life was just like sitting on my floor in my apartment, just like with uh, like scissors and a marker and like uh, cardboard, like making, <laughs> like mailing vinyl out at Chopper's Drug Mart. You know what I mean? Of like, course, yeah. <laughs> it all adds up. It all becomes just hours of uh, a to-do list that just takes you away from creation or takes you away from the stuff that you really want to focus on it's a lot of work that sometimes doesn't really pay <laughs> so it's hard you need to like really you need to really love it i've always appreciated you know outside of our conversations uh you've even talked about this on social media i mean on top of your lyrics being incredibly honest and that vulnerability mm -hmm. is it's present through your online your social media presence where, you know, between you bickering between Devourers and, and STG and the Golden Age of Wrestling <laughs> accounts, which I absolutely love, you describe uh, how you're feeling in the local scene and how you're feeling in general, which is something that, as a creator, I find that incredibly hard to do. I think a lot of people find that incredibly hard to do. I think a lot of people appreciate how open you are in this regard. How has that experience been for you, being, being as open as you are, whether it's you know on a personal level or on a professional level, do you find that putting yourself out there is beneficial in that sense? I want to be real. I don't know. I think the social media is really toxic, and I kind of wish that I didn't have to even be a part of it. But it just sort of feels like a necessary evil when you're DIY and you have to like promote shows and you know like local like concert promotion companies and stuff like expect you to to promote. Like that's sort of you you just have to play the game. You know what I mean? Like, there's no other way around it if you want to sur survive and be successful in this. So, yeah, like, I, I don't really love, like, glamorous, you know, bands trying to look cool and be successful. I, I don't know. It's just, like, it's fake. I think that it, it maybe helps that I know what it feels like to be an outsider. You know what I mean? Like, through all of my 20s, I was that guy who was, like, constantly on the sidelines. It wasn't cool. I didn't get any opportunities. And so I know what it feels like to get rejected from things like music waste or to like not feel like I'm in the cool crowd, you know, and then to all of a sudden to have a, a project like Devourers that has actually caught on 
and I've seen like like both sides of mm -hmm. I've, I've experienced a lot. I don't know how else to describe it, but like I know what it feels like to be on like a lot of different ends of things in in the industry. And so yeah, I try to like share a little bit of wisdom. I feel like I was really naive growing up and didn't actually understand the music industry or understand like how evil <laughs> it is. And so yeah, now that I'm like 38 and they're like Vancouver's wild right now there are like hundreds of new bands in the city and a lot of them are like 21 22 and so yeah i'm playing shows with a few of them and i'm trying to just sort of like give advice if they ask for it and shed some light on how important it is to like not just go for the gold and try to like be on a big label and sell your soul right but just to understand like the importance of community and actually like understanding the business yeah like ultimately it's been good to sort of like be honest and vulnerable with my songs and lyrics there have been times where i've wondered if it's actually like un unhealthy you know to like be so vulnerable mm -hmm. i don't know sort of at a point where i walk around vancouver and get recognized by strangers sometimes i'll be at the grocery store and people will come up and it's, it's weird like I'm, I'm not some sort of like cute celebrity or anything but it, it does sort of like make me feel a little bit weird when I'm walking on the street and then people smile at me as we're walking by each other. And I'm like, oh, do they know me? Have I met them at a show? You know, like, I just know so many people in this city course, or I've met yeah. some that it, it starts to make me like a little bit paranoid or feel weird thinking like, wow, I've been so like vulnerable in my music and on online that like a lot of people know things about me, like more than more than usual, even like applying for jobs. And people can just Google me and see like ridiculous pictures of me. And I'm like, wow, I'm so like, I exposed myself so much. Right, right. I really made some sacrifices in my life to like give myself to art. And there are good things and bad things that come from it. You know, like having some privacy is good. Um, I don't actually post that much personal stuff on online, especially on like Instagram stories and stuff. Like I almost always just post about like upcoming shows, but I, I rarely post like, this is what I'm eating for breakfast. Yeah, you know, some artists, especially some solo artists, just seem like totally addicted to attention, and they're like constantly posting stuff like that. And so I've tried to like build a little bit of like a barrier or a boundary there. But but yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing when you make music that's a little bit yeah like self-deprecating and vulnerable, and you're talking about trauma that you've been through and stuff, and then that kind of becomes your brand, right? Like people expect that from you, and you want to deliver what the fans want, and then. So there have been a few times in the last few years where I've wondered if Devourers is actually like healthy or if I'm just like if if it's like a healthy outlet. Yeah, it's kind of complicated. It's it's tricky when you make something that connects with people and then they want more of it and you're like, oh well, just but, singing about like hard stuff that you've been through and then you're performing it over and over and over again and it's just like sometimes it doesn't actually feel that helpful. It's just sort of painful. And so with this new album. I feel like the album in some ways is a little bit less personal. It's sort of like songs about friends and family and other people. And um, there are even a few like genuinely happy songs on th this album where I'm like, well, maybe Devourers can actually like try to be a happy project moving forward. And then I won't feel like it's like the source of like despair all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that was the death of Devourers, you know, God forbid, but is there already another another character on the horizon that you see, or is that something that you're thinking about? I don't know. Like, I'm always really inspired by wrestling. Not even because I called my project the Golden Age of Wrestling, but just in general. Like, I grew up watching it. I think it's so fascinating. 
I love watching it and learning about wrestling and just the whole concept of like, you have some people like Hulk Hogan or Randy Orton or these, these people in the industry for so long. And it's a little bit like the, what I was mentioning earlier with Devourers being on album number four right now. And it's like, how do you keep people interested in what you're doing as opposed to just being a flash in the pan for two years, you have one character that pops and then you go away. Right, these people like Triple H and stuff—they've been in the industry for so long. Yeah. How do you keep things interesting? You go from heel to face, back to heel, back to face. Like you sort of need to like have a bit of like a character, mm-hmm. like roller coaster. And so that's what I think of more so instead instead of like starting in a third personality right now is like maybe I'll turn Devourers like heel or actually make Golden Age like a really like sympathetic character moving forward. You oh, know what okay. I mean? Just think of like yeah how to like develop those those characters and continuing their story as opposed to ending them because you feel like uh, yeah. they could serve a new purpose they have new stories to tell i've had so many different projects over the years that haven't taken off you know like i had a few different projects in montreal that people didn't care about i had a few projects in my teens that no one ever heard and so i've had a lot of different like projects and monikers and alter egos over the years and there's something so rare about having a, a project that where like the name really gets out there to people and it connects with some people and all of a sudden it's like not as easy or attempting to just start all over again mm-hmm. you know so it's like well yeah having these few projects now where golden age is like working with a label now devours is sort of like pretty like the name is pretty well known and at least in, in vancouver and so yeah it's like becoming less like <laughs> tempting or attractive to just sort of like come up with a whole new name because it's, it's like a brand absolutely like you get the name out there and then all of a sudden when you start a new band or have a new even if you're the same making the same music but you just change the band name then it's, it takes like a few years oh i'm tired of doing that <laughs> it sounds exhausting yeah no and the brand yeah, is so maybe, strong yeah like maybe someday if i move to a new city and just want to make different types of music like the life is long and the, the, these projects might not last forever but yeah uh, now that i'm like in vancouver and stuff i'm like yeah this makes sense for now because i'm sick and i'm tired of running away the golden age of wrestling's new album scorpion death clock will be released on january 2024 via intraset you can follow jeff on his instagram accounts through the links in the show notes where you can also see the music video he made for ferrari rocher as well as a lyric video I created for his song Exposure from Escape from Planet Devourers. Again, this podcast is brought to you by Schnoodle Video. Thank you so much for listening to The Schnoodle Book Show. Spread the word, tell your friends, and go make stuff.